Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo press now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We're here and we got ourselves a special guest and it's not Chris or John. <laughs> it is... Why aren't we special? Because it's the best T.O. in the land, Lon Sims. Oh, that's yeah. why. You're special, you're just not a guest. <laughs> that's, that's true. I don't know if I can claim that's that what anymore. my mom always with, said. With Jake and uh, Bill and Vince all hold, holding all these crazy events. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's great to see all these events really starting to gain a lot of popularity and that there's so many, you know, great event organizers that are putting them together because it does take a ton of work. Oh yeah, uh, that you can attest to, right, Lon? Yeah, I've actually got a little special feature probably going to come up in the next day or two on the blog, kind of highlighting some of those efforts. So that'll be good. Nice. Yeah, Lon, go ahead and share your uh, your blog real quick because if people haven't looked at your blog, you do usually about once a month. You post kind of like monthly data on how all the guilds are doing competitively wise. And it's a really cool read because you really get a sense of how the meta is developing. So can you just kind of, you know, give us a quick pitch for your uh, blog real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, it's momentous tackle, all one word, dot wordpress.com. And yeah, like you said, I, every month I do a uh, breakdown of the historical Longshanks data. So this is, it's not a projection. It's just, you know, like an almanac of where we've been. And, you know, you're free to interpret how you want. Um, but yeah, it, it does show kind of like some trending over time and whatnot. And lately I've been trying to do a little bit more, um, kind of non-robot articles too. Like, um, I did one a while back about like how to set up a tournament scene. Um, I did one for kind of how to become an intermediate player, just stuff like that. Not so hard on the data, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate everybody who reads it and, uh, any comments or concerns, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Yeah. If you like Matt, how often do you. How often do you collect the data and then analyze it in such a way where basically you say everyone else in the meta is wrong <laughs> because it doesn't fit with my preconceived notions? Well, I try to stay away from the preconceived notions and really just say what it is. I mean, I'll give a little bit of opinion and flavor every now and then, but um, it's I you know it's I'm always more than welcome to be wrong. Like this last month, for whatever reason, Brewers were like one act actually one of the top win rate teams. And I was like, wow, that's really odd. I'm not really sure what to explain there. Yeah, it's just you see you see some trends like that, and it makes you question kind of what's going on with the meta. Like I I think you remember Lon back at the end of season four. Anvil started getting like a real big pickup with blacksmiths and it was kind of right before he kind of got the hotness and everybody caught on to him. But it made me like when you showed that on your blog, I was like, holy crap, what's what's going on with blacksmiths that's making that a viable team? So, you know, it's just really interesting to look at the data and see how people are using some of the tech we have out there. Yeah. Yeah, appreciate it, man. And try to keep it pretty good and keep a little humor in there, too. If you like math and numbers, it's really awesome. If you don't like math and numbers, it's still pretty freaking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, sometimes what I focus on are the like graphs because I can like analyze those better than sometimes the just 
streamlined, you know, amount of numbers there are sometimes because it can be overwhelming. Right. And that's why I got to give you, you know, some kudos for that, man, because I'm sure when you get all that data, it really takes a lot of time to, you know, analyze it and segregate it. Yeah, well, just don't tell Wells Fargo because, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of <laughs> a couple hours on the work week when I'm bored, just going to throw that together. There you go. Shouldn't incriminate myself uh, too bad, though. Don't worry. Unlike other podcasts, I have been known to edit. So I, I chop out stuff like that. There you go. First jab uh, of the night. <laughs> yeah. It's like my special. Hey, man. Uh, yes. Bring it. So, yeah, spring fling <laughs> tickets went up for sale and, uh, yeah, they're they're all gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking forward to spring fling, it like sold out in like two or three hours. It was like crazy. Oh, and there was one thing I did want to say. I think we kicked everybody off on a um, team championship bug, John. Yeah. Because did you see? There's like two. I think there's two different team tournaments. I know. Like Menin- the next- Menendez is moving in on our time because SDC's summertime. I'm like, come on, man. We gotta find. <laughs> we gotta find a way to make it work because I want to go to that one. Yeah. <sighs> they got one up in New York too. Yeah, I know. Uh, that one's supposed to be a big one. But yeah, I'm, vengeance. I'm just glad to see the format get a little more love because it's just a neat, it's a neat format. I think it's just, it's a more social type of guild ball, right? Because sometimes when you play one-on-one, you get really focused in the moment and there's a lot of stress. But when you're in a team championship, some of the stress is off because I know like if I'm on a team and I drop a game, I know that we still got a chance because I got two teammates that can pick me up. Right. So, yeah. Also, Pete likes it because then he has teammates that can tell him not to Pete Carroll up his pitch. <laughs> that is true. I I do make uh, dumb decisions sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the whole pre-game strategizing is the part that's, like, super interesting to me. Yeah. That yeah. Fun. That, that's one of my favorite parts is kind of just playing the matchups and trying to predict what they're going to go and do. And uh, I, like the, I like the strategy part. Yeah. But, yeah, good luck to those yep. guys. I hope they have great events and – let us know uh, how they go. Yeah, and we'll see how how they line up. I'm trying to go to maybe one of those other team championships. I just got to see how the finances work out for that. So we'll, we'll check it out. But yeah, sprinklings. Yeah, when I got into this, I didn't know we'd have to be billionaires. To I know, right? <laughs> if you want to go to every single one, right? We saw the big news today, yeah. right? That I'm not going to give out plane tickets to everyone anymore. You have to like get a certain number of people. Yeah, I saw that. You have to meet a certain a certain amount of prepaid people to like. So, and what Lon's talking about for those of you that don't know is Steamforge just released the national championship schedule. So each nation that has gotten one of these, you have a tournament. If you win that tournament, you qualify for Worlds. But they changed it this year where you have to meet a certain amount of people that prepay for the event. In order to get the free ticket to SteamCon, in order to get the free uh, airplane ticket to um, UK, SteamCon UK. So, yeah, Worlds is yeah. in London again. Womp womp. Yeah, so, well, I don't know where else you would want it, right? I mean, they are a British company. I guess. <laughs> so, basically, this is like they're saying, hey, you know that tournament in Vegas where you got to beat nine people? That's not going right. to yeah, you for Yeah, so I, don't, I think if like they don't get more people for that, then it's not going to be a free ticket. There's a st- well, it might be a free ticket to SteamCon and to get into the World Championships. It just won't be a free plane ticket. Maybe. I, th- I think last time I looked, like there was nobody from that side of the country in there hardly. And like three people from out of the country that were going to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a few people that really champion the Western meta. 
but then there's like not a whole lot else. So it's just kind of weird situation out in kind of the Western Guild Ball scene. I feel like. No, I just skimmed. Did that article say anything about people winning like all tournaments over thirty still getting a SteamCon ticket? I didn't see that either when I read through it. So I don't know if that's something. Yeah, that's go check it out. It was a little confusing. I definitely need to take a second read of it too. I think they figured since John didn't even use his ticket <laughs> last year that they weren't going to bother. <laughs> well, why? Why are we going to give out this free ticket when John didn't even show up? I blame them for putting it on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, so that was definitely interesting news. Anything else you guys want to share before we get into our fishy content? I'm trying to see how many games were have been in UK versus the US so far. It looks like we're edging them out. I'm, I'm just going off uh, Butchers because everybody plays Butchers, and we, we're beating them by about 100 games so far. And we haven't had hmm. our any of our big tournaments. Right. Yet. I mean, I guess we I had know, second that's, wind. That's the crazy part. We had second wind. We're, we're about to have a 60-man tournament a month coming up every yeah. month here. Yeah. Well, even the one we're going to on Saturday is a 20-man tournament. Gosh, right. 20? Yeah, there's 20 so far. So, no, you won't qualify for a free ticket, John, to, by winning that. No. I, I just don't want too many <laughs> rounds. <laughs> the yeah. thing I really want to know is where SteamCon US is going to be this year. Oh. Yeah, hopefully they don't wait till you know, July to pick that out. I've got some secret secret data on that. I'm going to go ahead, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and announce Atlanta. Just to follow up with me. Let, let, tell everybody I was right. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, that would be super smart to put it there since it's a travel hub. Yeah. International airport. But huge city. I've still got my fingers crossed for Mar Largo. <laughs> we'll go ahead and get into some of this fish action here. And I, I think that we're going to start with the old shark boy just because... Yeah, I think I, Shark's always been interesting to me just because he's, he's a superstar. He's just... The score that is like almost like the face of the game when you think of scoring. So, looking at a shark team, I always thought he was kind of cool just because it's all, the ball's almost never safe when sharks on the board, right? It just it seems like sharks always able to kind of go in and just scoop the ball up and get a goal whenever he wants. So, looking at it, Lon, you being the fisherman player, what do you love about shark? What really kind of I read some of the things you said about him, but I want you to kind of, you know, verbalize that for the podcast. What do you love about this guy as a captain? Well, you originally asked me which which captain I wanted to talk about, and I, I had said both. And I, I think one of the really things I love the most about Shark is just how well he complements Corsair. And it really just seems to me like some of the bad Corsair matchups, you can slot Shark in and, you know, have a pretty good shot at winning, even against some of the more the stronger uh, meta picks right now. Um, I, th- I love that Shark is really skewing, like you said. He's really one of the only captains who can, you know, you can go into the game and, like, know that you're going to try for three goals. You know, that might happen incidentally sometimes with, like, Skatha or you know, Blackheart or whoever the case may be, but you, you don't typically go into the game with that game set on those. Um, that's uh, Who else would do that? I mean... Brisket, really, I guess. Yeah, maybe. And like yeah, na- lol brisket, minor guilds. I mean, navigators. And I think Midas, maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. Midas in maybe season three, but I don't even know now. Yeah, I guess Windfinder. You could. I mean, she's not That's really out of play think. yet. But yeah, so I mean, I, I just love that he brings a whole different access to the game, and if you're and he skews. He skews your 12-man list, right? So when you're putting together 12, you kind of have to... Like, fish are a pretty popular team still, so you still have to kind of consider, okay, what's my game plan here? 
You know, if, if I'm building this list and I say, okay, here's what I'm going to do against all the two and two teams. Oh yeah. But what do I have to do against shark? You know what I mean? I, that's, I like that he, even if he's not the most powerful captain in the game, that he has that altering effect on the game. He's fun. He's, he's really just, fun too. Yeah. It's fun. Some of the shit you pull off. You're like, yeah. Oh, this ball's safe. <laughs> no, it's not. Yep. Well, and I, th- I think one of the cool things that you said, Lon, is Shark's one of the few captains that lets you punch up. So what did you mean by that when you said that? So, for example, um, you know, last year at Spring Fling, I played some pretty big names, including John. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking now, maybe I should have played Shark because I, I lost my <laughs> match against John. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Pinned Shark is not good. Yeah, it's not. But, you know, you got me pretty hard in that game on the turn one. I, I still remember you made me pick up a stack of six influence, and you know, it was super sad. Well, um, Corsair is not good either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But basically what I mean by punch... And easier to hit. <laughs> what, what I mean by punch up is I have always felt like you could put me against any player in the world, and if we played ten times, I'm going to beat that player like three of those ten times. You know what I mean with Shark? Just because of pure variance. You know, if you get a bad scatter against Shark at the wrong time, the game is just over. You know what I mean? And I don't really care who you are. You know, you can be bots, you can be Mets, you you can be whoever you want to be. And, you know, Tim, uh, if the dice don't go your way, Shark really punishes bad dice, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and rewards good dice. So it's just it let's if you know that you're going into someone who's a lot better than you, then I tend to drop shark. Yeah, and and I'd agree with that just because if it's really easy for shark to get two goals, and then I think some of the skill comes with getting that third goal. But you're right, even if you're playing against a superior player, that you're like, man, I know this guy's a lot better than me, even though that is happening you still have a shot like if the ball scatters the wrong way shark or somebody else can scoop it up and you know get the get the 12 points right it's like he just does not play a very conservative game plan which you know if you're playing very conservative like um you know like john for instance if me and john play you know 10 matches he's probably going to beat me in six six or seven of those matches you know but every now and then i'm going to get him on some dice and, and you know oh, yeah. that's that's why I like Shark a lot too, um, just because he has that really high floor win rate. You never feel like you're out of the game. Are are there any matchups Shark against now? I mean, I know season four is early. That you think skew those numbers? I mean, say the same skill level level player above you. Like, are there are there matchups that put him like nine wins out of ten? Or are there matchups oh, that yeah. put him back down to even? I mean, what, he's what definitely got some some really strong matchups. I was looking at him earlier today, actually, and there's really there's not a lot of captain specific matchups yet. Um, I mean, I know I know one inch melee is one of the things. Yeah, when you, when yeah, you don't yeah. have two inch melee. Jesus, they get they get to you. That, yeah. that used to be what really what I really struggled with <laughs> before hunters got some of the two inch melees. He's a ninety one percent win rate versus falconer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more of a falconer thing, though. Yeah, um, they're in a bad spot. <laughs> they suck a bag of dicks. They're terrible. <laughs> Positive win rate versus Theron. So maybe that's reverse of what we thought it was, John. Yep. Um, or it could just be you and John. More, more so than <laughs> more so than guild. Yeah, more so than guild specific matchups. I think Shark just punishes people who don't play a lot of Shark. You know what I mean? Like if you walk into that game and you're not 
practiced in that matchup or don't have someone in your local meta that plays them a lot, then you're just kind of clueless on how to play that game. I think yeah. that's what he really punishes. Yeah, I think I think that one from what I've seen, people who don't know how to hide the ball and don't really. I mean, sometimes when I get lazy and don't pre-measure, like for example, that game me and Pete played when he was playing Olfer, and I didn't pre-measure, kind of, and knowing how far Shark can get away from you with the ball, it just, they really struggle, and it, and it gets it's, it takes nothing real quick. And he's even better this season too. I think um, you know I haven't had a lot of I haven't. Chris, you'll you'll be happy that I've actually been on a little bit of a butcher spree lately. Um, I haven't had a chance to play Shark in Season 4, but I, I theorize that he's better because he's got two new tools that he didn't have before. He's got Vet Sakana and Vet Siren, who are both really cool ball, anti-ball killing pieces. And they're really, yeah, they are. there aren't pieces like that anywhere else in the game. You know, yeah, you got Kill Ball on, like, Cinder and whatnot, but there's nothing like Fair Wind, and there's nothing like... Um, What's his kind of fancy footwork? And I, yep. I just think that really drives into Shark's game plan. I'm actually pretty interested to run a list when I when I do decide to start playing with Shark. It's going to be like 100% you can't kill the ball list. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be... Um, there, Go ahead. Is there anywhere in Fish that they can pick up a free ball, though, if you just set the ball down? Yeah, it's Vet yeah, Siren. Yeah, Vet Siren. Right? Uh, fair, okay, what's it called? Fair Wind. And she does it really good. efficiently too. Like I, I actually when when Vet Siren came out, I did not like that oh, card. There it is, target free ball. Yeah, when she came out, I did not like the card. But then you know I, I spoke with um, Schlegel quite a bit, and you know kind of came around to her. She's super efficient on doing that too. Um, but anyway, uh, what was I say? Oh yeah, the crazy anti-ball killing list is Vet Siren, Vet Sakana. Gray scales for balls gone, and then Horizon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you send Horizon in there, and then he's just like haunting the back line for the rest of the game. Speaking of killing the ball on, and also kind of punching up, kind of looking at those two topics, you actually had a funny story that <laughs> that you're playing against Pat from Strictly the Worst, right? Yeah, and yeah. He had he had Friday in a really good ball killing spot you want to share that story with us real quick before we talk about a shark lineup yeah so um i had a really cool game versus pat and i was actually really happy to get to play him because it's pretty rare you get to play someone from that far away um yeah but uh he i was running my fang tooth list (laughs) and he was running you know season three um brewers i i think this was right before the decimate change either right before or right after um decimate and he had killed the ball on Friday with the defense buff from Esther's on Friday and six one Friday. And he basically like looked at me and I said, okay, I activate shark and I, you know, advanced over to Friday. And he's like, are you really going to try to roll three sixes? And I was like, well, I'm sure going to try five times. (laughs) (laughs) And Alex bots is just sitting there watching the game. And he just like starts dying laughing and he like walks away in disgust. Um, well, the funny thing is you ended up getting it, right? Yeah, yeah, I did end up getting it, and I, and I scored on that play. Um, unfortunately, that specific game went to time, uh, but oh well, what can you do? <laughs> have, <laughs> just have fun and go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, and I think that's something I like about a lot of our Southern meta is Mike Rhodes plays the same way, I play the same way, John will throw his you know we didn't see we didn't come to see babe ruth bunt so it's my favorite i just I, I think we have a pretty aggressive meta that when we see an opening even though sometimes the odds are a little bit against it 
I think that sometimes we just have that fuck it mentality where it's like, well, we're, we're just here to go. Let's go. Well, especially <laughs> when you start losing, right? I mean, you kind of almost have to do that. Yeah. Got to try to get back in it. Right. But yeah, Shark's pretty awesome. And I think he's getting better. Um, I think people underestimate the fact, too, that he actually is a control piece and can support his team. He doesn't have to 100% super solo. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, obviously Shark's all about getting the ball and scoring, but how do you like to use his legendary? And those of us that don't know the legendary, it's uh, caught in the net. And I think it's, is it still a six inch? Yeah, they, they bumped it down it? to six inches now. Um, but it's, it's, it's still minus, minus four, minus four though. Yeah. Yeah. So for the rest of the turn, whoever's hit by that has minus four movement. So it helps protect him from a lot of the counterpunch that people usually try to get into him. Yeah, in my experience, it normally doesn't protect him. Um, I like to try to use it as best as, you know, as, as most as I can at the top of turn two, right before I'm about to score that second goal. Um, that way, hopefully, their turn two is so hobbled, they can't really get to anybody else. Now, normally they can get to him and take him out. Um you know, because most models these days can, since he doesn't have gut and string anymore, they can they can still get to him. But the thing about killing shark is it's basically the shark player has to kind of think about it as a twenty inch reposition, right? I mean, it's not really a downside to get to reset every now and then. Yeah. And then as long as you're not losing the rest of your squaddies on that net turn, you're you know you just now you're up eight to two, and you just got to find that last one. So looking at this shark lineup, you gave us kind of like your I'm going to get the ball list. Do you really think that those two new navigators are going to bring a lot to that guild? You said you're going to bring them and, you know, try them out. But you think they're going to bring a lot to shark specifically? Yeah, and that's just a funny list. I'm not 100% convinced that that's even remotely effective. I just want to try it and see what happens. <laughs> see if you can get the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still think that... Uh, you know, he's got so many good options on his squaddies, right? So he's got Sakana and Fathom, who are just really efficient strikers, right? They don't need a lot of influence to do what they need to do. Um, Grayscales and, you know, to a lesser extent, Horizon, they kind of slip in and out where they need to be, get balls that they, you know, the opponent maybe didn't think that they could get. Um, and then, yeah, those two ball anti-ball kill tech pieces. He's got a lot of good choices right now. And actually, he's got more games on this season four than Corsair, which strikes me as wrong. But, I mean, people always <laughs> like to play Shark, so there you go. People love Shark, yeah. man. He's a lot more beginner-friendly than Corsair is. That's true, too, yep. Yeah, I think, oh, man, John John had a couple newbies up there in Asheville, and I remember him telling me that like, they were trying to get takeouts with Shark, and then there was a guy playing Corsair that was just trying to, I don't even know what he's trying to do, but he said it wasn't working very well and it took forever to get the game done. 100% trying to throw people off the, bo- off the board. Well, you can do that with Corsair pretty easy yeah, now. Yeah, now. This was season three. <laughs> it was just Jack and Corsair get off the board. Yeah. So I, I agree. Shark is definitely definitely more, uh, more friendly to newer yeah. players. If there's one spot that he is suffering in season four, I, I do think the fact that the killing game has gotten more efficient is hurting him a little bit. Um, yeah. like scalpel. If you look at his win rate versus scalpel, it's abysmal. He's got a 28% win rate versus scalpel. So, oh my God, <laughs> if, if you, you know, your goal as a fish player is basically don't match yourself against morticians because <laughs> well, it's just yeah. bad either way. 
Just stay. Just stay. Hey, that's your goal as a regular yeah, player. Scalpel's pretty damn good. <laughs> Nobody wants to see Scalpel. And um, you know, I think some of the he's sub fifty against Ox. Um, you know, I haven't looked at all of them, but I think the kind of accelerated takeout game does hurt him just a little bit because if they are able to kill the ball, you know, they get to their twelve points that much faster. Yeah, if they're really good at that kind of killing the ball game, just maybe parking it on brisket and, you know, setting it inside their bubble of death, then it can be rough for him pretty pretty quick. Just out of, if you got the numbers up, what's his win rate versus Gotha? Um, well, they only put it, they only do the captain on captain if there's enough games. I think they only yeah, do it so if there there's be many. like 10 games. And that doesn't look like there's 10 games yet. Yeah, I would ne- I wouldn't want Scotha in the shark, but I think it'd, well, it'd be a really quick Scott game. Well, that's because accelerating the scoring game, and that's what Shark wants. I know. I think it, who got the ball first? Okay. okay. Whoever gets the first goal kind of should win that game. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if I'm playing against Gotha, I would more than welcome her shooting goals for sure. I think my biggest yeah. thing would be I need to feed someone hard to kill to the bear. I think that's what my my goal would be. I don't know. Do you do you, do you give the bear? Uh, <laughs> you give the bear the little one victory point guy. Yeah, like maybe Horizon. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I mean, you basically want to. The bear could kill him in one I mean, swing. Right. Well, you make it as hard as possible, <laughs> though, right? Sakana's yeah, fairly beefy. He's four one. Yeah, Sakana's kind of hard to dig out. Yeah, that's what I try to do whenever I'm playing like a real fighty captain. I mean, you're gonna have to give up somebody, right? So you just as long as you can make it as hard for them as possible. Yeah, the higher defense, you know, in cover, you know, make them overextend to get to it. That's what you want to do when you're a fish player is just like make them overextend to get to your pieces as far as they can. You know, that Spread horizon idea, though, is interesting because since he can start on the other back line, you could always send him to engage with the bear. <laughs> And then, like, the bear can, like, never get up the field because well, he's having to kill Horizon every turn. Well, not only that, but Horizon could do unexpected arrival. So, you know, you're just charging off the back line, unexpected arrival, and then just engage the bear and just keep the bear busy. Yeah. That could be a really interesting. Because, yeah, you get, like, 11 inches of movement on a run, basically. The, the one thing that I'm really concerned about, and I know we're getting off topic here a little bit. The one thing I'm concerned about with Horizon is he seems to me to be a little inf greedy. Like, he really needs at least two or three to do what he wants to do. Yeah, because he needs to charge. And Shark really loves to take six. So, I so unless Shark's, like, about to die, like, the top of, you know, whatever turn, I really don't see why you would never not put six on him. Sometimes you can use him in a support capacity where, you know, you're just going to, like, for instance, on turn one, sometimes... I don't like to take the turn one goal with Shark. Like, a lot of people really love to do that, especially if they're kicking off. Um, oh, man. I used to get so pissed because you play against Shark, that's what you expect, right? Is it like a turn one goal? But Gabe always used to do this bullshit otter goal turn one with Salt, and then Shark's there with a full stack, you know, ready to get the ball off you after the damn otter scores. Right. So, you can do some really janky stuff with Fish, not just with Shark. You're right. Shark can be a support piece. So looking at shark, I thought another interesting thing, Lon, is that you know, the fish have been getting nerfed ever since probably the game's been in existence, right? It always seems like they're trying to tweak them. So they're not too powerful of a scoring guild. And I, I like how you said that despite all these nerfs, 
the fish win rate really hasn't ever really crept below 50%, except for you said one time. Oh, I was going to quiz Chris and John. I was going to see. <laughs> yeah, they. Um, I've actually been tracking the Longshanks data for quite a while now. I've got, I've got two years worth of data. Um, so we've actually just hit 24 months, so two years. Um, and fish in that two-year period have had a below 500 win rate once <laughs> at 47%. So how about can can John and John and Chris guess when that was? So Thresher what, farmers. So when farmers were big? No. Nope. Yep. Nope. They were actually pretty good against Thresher in that area. What about you, John? You got to guess when fish were below fifty percent. Hmm, I'm trying to think of what events would have done that. Since that's longer than I've been playing Guild Ball. Um, See, I'm just trying it was to actually like pretty what, recently. What models could have done that? I mean, oh, so are you talking like now? Is like, it, is like, it season four start when when the Corsair changes and everybody couldn't figure out Corsair for a month? Maybe it was actually the month before the season four changes. It was uh, the very last bit of season three uh, in September. So like, they had forty seven percent. So I'm not really sure why that is. I mean, I could probably look into it a little bit, but um, I, it's just and always isn't that, that when they isn't that when they took Avarice and Greed away? Yeah, that might be it. That might be. I don't know. I, well, I think no, that, that was earlier in the year. They did, they did that. I don't remember. Hmm. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I'll have to look into that and think about it a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, the more the more the real point is, no matter what they did to them, right? So they nerfed gut and string. They nerfed the net. They changed vet siren all crazily. They take avarice and greed away. Whatever the they always end up winning and winning and winning. And I, I just think that that is just a tribute to that they have really great fundamentals and also that they're new player friendly too i think that's part of it yeah i mean whenever we get a new player we try to tell them that like hey if you're looking at a guild do you like killing or do you like scoring goals and if they like killing we usually start them off with butchers if they like scoring goals we usually start them off with fish chris john you guys got anything else any questions about shark before we move on to the man corsair yeah, this is where I think a lot of people are interested just because there's been a lot of talk, a lot of people doing really cool things with Corsair. So, Lon, set us up. What do you think about Corsair's changes in Season 4? So, I think that at least I, you know, and I think a lot of people who are kind of pontificating on his changes, because he, he got changed quite a bit. You know, his playbook kind of got a little bit of a redo. He lost all his momentous damage. Um, he did pick up a push. Um, got the coup de grace, so whenever he does a takeout with damage, you can't get it on a push out, but with damage, he um, gets the extra momentum. And oh man, the legendary is so sweet. You just get a free free harpoon. That legendary um, pisses me off so <laughs> it's bad. It's so good, oh my lord. But um, I think that people were evaluating him in the wrong way because they saw the the loss of the momentous damage as as a huge thing, and then they saw coup de gras is kind of like well is it better is it worse what, what do we think about it but i think what people really didn't focus enough on was oh he's got a real handy uh double push on three <laughs> yeah and man that double push is real good um and i think it took kind of a list builder to figure that out um you guys know jared jared mcgraw yep he kind of championed the way on revitalizing the whole push out strategy uh, yep. and took that to SteamCon UK. And I think a lot of people are following suit there. And that's a real good list. Um, yeah, that, that sumo list is really rough. 
and he's got a lot of support for it too, right? You know, like um, Jack clearly can can push people off the board with not even any influence. Um, and Kra- I think Kraken got so much better yeah, this season. Kraken's like a god of a model now. I don't know, man. And Kraken really helps him out too with the extra drag if you need it, and and his double pushes on two. Um, so he, yeah. he can, he can, you know, counterattack like a boss, knock people's down on one, push him off the board. Um, and hag is really great in that list too, because when you play so close to the edge, after you activate, you run the risk of being pushed off the edge, right? Against yeah. your engineers, Harry, you know, other models that have good pushes, um, bear, but Hag corrects that, and so does Jack. Hag pulls them back away, and Jack can bump them back away, which kind of, again, like leads. Like if if Jack goes in and pushes you closer to the edge, and then pushes his buddies away from the edge, it kind of tilts that game in your favor. And I think people really underestimated how strong that is. Um, and it's really good, man. <laughs> I just I played against yeah, it the other and- night, and against it and I, I was fully aware of what the guy was doing my local eric and i'm like all right i'm gonna stay in the middle of the board i'm gonna surround this hay bale and i'm not gonna move and then just after turn two it just the game naturally gravitated that way and he he just he i was up on him 10 to 2 and he ended up beating me on that game and I was, oh my god yeah and i i played corsair because we have a fish player our local joe and he he can play shark pretty well but he doesn't know how to play corsair so I actually borrowed his fish and I was like, okay, I'll show you how to play Corsair because I've, I've done enough homework where I know how it works. And it was funny because we were at Chris's and we had a bunch of people over and one of our guys was just kind of sitting on the sideline, you know, the peanut gallery. And I was like, I think I'm going to go ahead and kill this model. I'm going to throw this model off the pitch this turn. And they were kind of sitting in the middle of the board. Yeah. And the guy just is like, you can do that from there. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, you're about to see some, you're about to see some cool things. <laughs> I mean, it's it's at minimum and, yeah. 10 inches, right? I mean, you get three from the drag, and then you knock them down, and then you start hitting the double pushes. You you can move that mono like 10, 12 inches in a turn. Oh, yeah, and God forbid that, you know, Kraken or uh, or Corsair hit the drag off the playbook, then you're really in trouble. <laughs> or you just get that free legendary. See, and that's another thing that I, I kind of – I actually did – I did think I um, predicted this one. With the legendary, the fact that it's an auto-hit legendary, um, oh. you used to play this game against the 5-0s, like Filet and you know different 5-0 models. You used to play this game where you say, okay, I'm going to take a 2 out of 3 chance to, to drag you. And if I hit you, I win the game. <laughs> and if I don't hit yeah, no, you, it doesn't matter I'm going to lose the game. So And now you just say, okay, I got you for free, and then I get to buy 2 extra attacks on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous, and I like it because I feel like his other, his season three legendary didn't fit him. Uh, it was like this kick buff that he gave to his team that I feel like they didn't benefit from a lot of times, and this legendary fits him. It's just a pain in the dick just because he gets to drag <laughs> everybody in, and it just sucks. Yeah, and actually, I have to remind myself quite frequently, like, if the option is there to drag more than one person, to do it. Because oh, yeah. I, I normally just am happy with the one that I get. No, that's really where I got punished is I played against our really good fish player from Atlanta, Gabe. And he dragged the bear and Scott the in and threw them both off the board in a couple of turns. And and then I, and then I played a game on 
online against Mike Klein, and he did the same thing where he's getting you know two models with that legendary, and it's just it's really really good. Yeah. Yep. It's uh. It's something that I tend to find myself forgetting about because he doesn't want to be in a scrum still. I mean, you know, he can't outfight the majority of the fighting teams. Like, um, for instance, we were talking about Scalpel. He has a negative win rate against Scalpel. And I think that Scalpel can reorganize all those pushes the way that she likes it a little bit better than he can set them up. So, yeah. so I think that he wants to still, you know, generally focus on one model at a time you know, pull the one model in, push him off the edge. And then if you have any extra influence, pull the second model in, set him up for next turn. But there are those yep. times with the legendary where like, okay, I'm going to save myself some influence and just go ahead and get them both over here. So I, I don't know about you guys, but with Corsair, I feel like definitely the auto include with Corsair is cracking. But is there anybody else that Lon, you or the other, you other guys think that goes really well with Corsair besides Kraken? What do you guys think? Jock Hag. I always like Hag. Yeah, I like Hag. You, mi- you might as well take all the re- reorganizing position models. Like that. That I-, I think it's BS that there's so many pushes on a fish team at this point. <laughs> like the fact there's that you can have like way, max. Man. No, they haven't. Yeah. Like because it used to be like a max dodge list. Oh, Zach used to push now you more. A, yeah. Now now it's a max dodge list if you take shark and a max push list if you take corsair i I think it's always been that way since corsair came out man like even if you no, because you never used to throw models off the board yeah you did yeah you did you you just weren't playing the people that were doing that jack (laughs) Jack would throw you off in a heartbeat like look at no that this no corsair's legendary play makes that game plan a viable you can throw six models off of the board people never used to do that in season three season two no one was playing corsair it's like a let's try and get three takeouts or six takeouts by throwing people off the board. i mean sh- nobody again did one of my buddies schlegel was doing that with shark actually <laughs> he, he was yeah. he was doing offensive title surges on enemy models to get them near the edge and sumoing them off with jack in, in season two <laughs> So I mean, it, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say it definitely was there, and you had to be aware of it. I think it was just it was easier to counter yeah. it than it is now. I don't think it was. I think Chris, I think you're right. I don't think it was ever like the main jam. Um, you know, like especially when you know you had Avarice and Greed, and Corsair could just perfectly tee up that model. Yeah. To smash things, I don't think it was ever Plan A, like you're saying. So, so there's merit to what you're saying, but but now they can now they can do it better, and it is Plan A. Right, exactly. I agree with that. So the, uh, there, there's I don't think there's another team in the history of Guild Ball that can play the this what everyone's calling this sumo lineup that Corsair runs. Like I I don't think there's ever been a, a lineup that can do it like this lineup can. Yeah, you might be right about that. I'd have to think about it a little I, bit. I just, I just think it's funny though, because it's just like a battle royale, and it's like, oh my god, here comes, you know, Ox. He's coming back on the board. Oh, Corsair has him over the top rope. Yep. I mean, that's what I did the <laughs> other like night. Like the Royal Rumble every day. Yeah. That, that's what I did um, last week. The one of the mistakes I made in that game, and I'm like, I'm fully aware of what his game plan is, but I still brought Ox in from the side instead of the back. 
And I was like, mm, he only jogs five inches. <laughs> like, that's nothing for Corsair. <laughs> and then he immediately went off the pitch before he got to activate. And I was like, mm, that was a mistake. So I tell you, I tell you what, another squaddy I like with Corsair is Vet Siren with that Dread Gaze. Mm-hmm. Because she actually gives you a nice little push and a setup by knocking down a model as well. Yeah, and she's just a really good flex too for the overall game plan. Like, um, it's yeah. it's just really hard. She always uses two influence, and she always does something like pretty good with it. Um, on both captains, really. So let me ask you this, Lon, because you, I think you got your your fingers on the pulse a little better than I do with fish. Do people just not bring O Siren anymore? Is she just not a model you see anymore? Um. I would say it just seems like so so normally people used to bring her for two reasons, right? So you brought her because she lures, so she she pulls models in and then you brought her because of seduced to get the ball off people. And when they put her down to 3 influence with the change of the season, I, I if may, might be wrong about that. Did they do that earlier than se- they did a, yeah, when yeah. they when they but, did the but yeah they, when they changed it yeah out. that's right yeah. um, I think when they put her down to three that hurt her quite a bit and then you know if you think about it there's just better ways to do that in the team now so Corsair can both pull people in and steal the ball for them from range which is something that people tend to forget that he's got the yeah um, rough rough, rough seas. seas is so good so good and then um, you know with the new anti-ball killing tech pieces like i think vet sakana is seeing a lot more play than original siren i still think she's fine i mean she can still like she's still a pretty good kickoff model do you mean sad kana sad kana yeah he is super (laughs) sad oh man yeah and i i liked sakana when he came out as a vet model just because i think there's a lot of instances where fancy footwork really helps you get around a lot of that close control nonsense yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I um, I personally defer towards towards regular Sakana just because, man, that models he just does everything you need him to do. Whenever he, he like yeah. never has really a dead turn. Yeah. So. Yeah, Sakana's always a good pick. Uh, would Would you put Sakana in a Corsair list though? Absolutely. The regular Sakana. Yeah. Um. So the way that I normally roll with it is, I go. Corsair, Tentacles, Hag, Jack and Kraken, and then usually like one flex. And it just depends on what I expect to see. Um, that last model tends to be Sakana, V-Siren, or Fathom. Um, mm-hmm. But every now and then, I, and I, I'm starting to rethink this, I think that there might be an argument to drop Hag or Jack as well for a second striker. Because that gives you more of a solid 2-2 game plan. Yeah. Because you've still got Jack, and you've still got Kraken, and you've still got Corsair to do the ring outs. But if shit starts going sideways, you've got an extra striker there. And Corsair is actually like not a bad striker now. He's a natural yeah. 4-8. That's a 4-8, Jesus. Yep. And he's stealing the ball off people at range. 4-8 with one leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's some bullshit. So, I mean, if you, it's kind of like those old Obulus plays people used to do, right? Where they just sprint up and then steal the ball off you and then shoot a goal. I don't know. Maybe he puts the ball on the harpoon and then throws it. Maybe that's how he gets the extra. It's, I don't care. He lost the leg. He shouldn't be as good a kick as Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Oh, man. Or should Shark be better? Maybe. 
No, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> How many four? The only person that should be better than Shark is Lane. And that's because Sherwin promised. I mean, how many four eight kicks are there in the game? Four. Chris, if you if you uh-huh. think Lane's going to be like an A tier striker in butchers, I think you're you're going to be disappointed. He, dude, he should be like a five ten kick. <laughs> <laughs> you already have you already have a four ten kick with brisket. That's yeah. <laughs> that, uh, Anybody? I, I know we need we need better than if that. If Chris that's gets my anything point. in butchers, it's not broken. He's going to be mad. That's no. Nah. <laughs> That's not true. Okay. I'm happy with all sorts of stuff that isn't broken. You weren't broken. happy with Vet Gutter, and she was good. You're not happy with New no, Boiler. No, she's not. She still sucks. And Boiler is good now. I admit amazing. that. He sucked before. Why are you trying to turn this into another Butcher's <laughs> podcast? Because you know I'm going to get fucking blamed for that. Not hey, really here, I'll bring it back. I, I'll bring it back. We Fish should have got Vet Gutter all along. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, too bad you guys just couldn't log enough games. I, I actually liked the uh, Fish sculpt for Vet Gutter better than the Butcher's one. Yeah, it was sweet. I thought I thought it looked better. I wish I I at this point would have been happy because now that we know that they were just gonna give away free models to every team anyway, like I I would have been thrilled for you guys to take that vet gutter after I saw how she turned out. Well, you also got to think about like it's it's strictly better to get the vet version like vet gutter than a veteran of a named model that you've already got. Because yeah. you can't play them together, right? So, well, that depends on the that depends on how they make them. Like, what if you got um, I don't know, vet boiler, and you could yeah. you'd have to choose between regular boiler and vet boiler. He used to, he used to think se- boiler was trash, in, so he would have been happy. In season three, that would have been fine because I would have chosen vet boiler over All basically. Right. So one one last question, and then I'll see if we have any other parting blows before we get into some questions. But, Lon, the big question I want to ask you is, are you a salt man or are you a tentacles man? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really sad, man. I, it makes me so sad that <sighs> I, I've always been a salt guy. I always really liked salt and, and playing with him. And it just makes me sad that he doesn't have the automatic tapping anymore. Yeah. It also makes me sad that tentacles kickstat is better. Um, like, oh yeah, it is. Like salt, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, salt is still really good because he's got the, you know, the where do they go? And one, one little mini game I like to do with salt is, um, you know, against all the furious models and and things like that. He's really good at just giving a crowd or getting in the way of something. Yeah. Um, where tentacles is more reactive. You know, maybe every now and then I'm gonna blind you. Um. But I just have. I'll tell you what salt's re- what salt's really good at is dicking up any kind of free charges. Like right. if you have anything with furious, just put salt over yep. there and just watch them not get it. Yeah, and and that's that's something that I used to really like to do. But I think the issue now is with the increase in roster size, like the limited roster, you only get twelve now, and the fact that there's. Yeah more models that you have to choose between it. I don't think there, it just feels like there's not room for them anymore, which is really depressing. What are you talking about? 12 is more models than we used no, to get. No, but you've got like a higher percentage of things you need to consider than you used to. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I, I think the, why I like the 12 so much is because you can bring like your seven, eight models that you like to bring. And then the rest of them you fill out as, okay, this is my alchemist drop. This is my, Butcher drop. Here's my hunter drop. So you have those tech models to bring against those matchups. Right. 
Whereas Salt yeah. is just like a fun pick where you can do some cool things with him. He's just not worth the slot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, Lon, you don't have to choose between Tentacles and Salt. You can play them both. What? Oh, the, the captain? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all's last episode. <laughs> or you can play Lon's mascot ball. Yeah, you can play animal ball. There you go. Yep. I st- yeah, with a captain and Salt. I still owe Vince an uh, animal ball match. We did. Yeah. Do you have that? Do you have the rules for that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Worked I out yet? Or are you? Are you still? Oh, those rules are like two years old, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've got them somewhere. Why did we not play that at Steam? I, I was I was supposed to play Vince, uh, Vince Kirkov, in a show match. Like we were talking <laughs> shit about it and everything, and um, I, I just I got lazy and just we didn't have. You know, I was like, nah. I'm just, I was just having a lot of fun hanging out with everybody. It was fun. I think that that's like the greatest part of SteamCon is just seeing all those people you don't get to see very often. Like when we were at the bar hanging out with some of the Georgia guys, Lon walks up and, you know, he forced a hug on Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready for it, though, I think this time. He, he was. He saw me glancing at you. <laughs> yeah. Any other parting blows, questions that you guys have for Lon before we get some of these Gubs questions? No. Well, you know what? I actually will ask one. Have you ever played that veteran salt model? No, I haven't played it yet. You actually owe me that model. You, you're supposed to be painting me a vet salt. I am. Sure I am. <laughs> yeah. So where is that? Well, we haven't seen each over other. There, over there next next to my unpainted Minerva, he's painting for me. Hey, that, that Minerva is being worked on. <laughs> okay, I need it, it Saturday. Chris, the correct response was it's in the same spot as the shark I'm supposed to be painting for you. <laughs> Which is in a box in my closet. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I will focus on the Minerva in that case. Last question. Right. When when are you going to hold a 60 man tournament in a brewery in Raleigh? Well, I mean, I, I um it's actually interesting cuz I was looking at the calendar for a project I won't disclose right now, but um it's there's a lot of saturation going on right now. It's hard <laughs> to find a good month to do something big in. Um, yeah. you know, I will well, there's, say there's just some good breweries up there that I like that I want to Yeah. Well, actually, we have a really great game store, and, I'll, and if you guys don't mind, um, just Game Theory and Raleigh—they've always been so good to us. You know, Guild Bowl is not the most lucratively profitable game, but they've have always bought us tournament kits, and you know, we always have a great scene, and the store is nice and big. You guys came that one time, and it's a really great store, and, and they've they've done a great job for us. I am gonna say. Uh, I'm not 100% sure of the date yet, but, you know, we like to do the little warm-ups, right? So we'll probably mm-hmm. do a Raleigh warm-up uh, in late March um, for Old Jake's and Spring Fling. That way everybody can get a little practice in. So I'm expecting that we could probably pull at least 2025 to that. Um, yeah, yeah, and I will say for, like, all the Southern Meadows that we play against and have traveled to, Lon, I feel like your Raleigh meta has a really good spread of like you have some really excellent players, you have some that are brand new, but I feel like you have a really solid like middle group of just solid middle players. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've got uh, folks like um, Steve Knott, Steve Mysol, you know Glenwood. Oh yeah, second place. Steve's our boy. We we love Steve. Yeah, yeah, it was um, fun watching him eat hot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of guys. Really solid. Eric, um, Steve Fetzer's pretty good. And how many Steves yeah. do you got? We have a lot of Steves. Yeah, I don't understand. We got like four Steves. Um, but yeah, all these guys are really good. Glenwood is like a world-class player now all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm always trying to get some new guys into. We got a couple new guys out last week, so that was cool. 
Okay, so getting into these kind of questions off of Gubs, one question actually comes from one of our locals, Joe, and he's kind of wondering why there's all the hate on Angel and why people aren't playing her in season four, even though she got all these boosts. I think I think people should play her. <laughs> well, I just love Linked. I love Linked. Well, I th- I think if you're going Says to play Hunters Fathom, player. yeah, <laughs> I think if you're going to play Fathom, that Angel goes really well with that, and I don't know why you wouldn't play her with Fathom. Yeah, I don't know, Lon. You have any thoughts on that? I, I haven't put Angel on the table yet. I, I feel like I need to test it out a little, um, especially with Fathom. I feel like she's at least a consideration. When you have yeah. Fathom, I don't think you would ever run her solo. The issue, I agree. I, I think the issue with Angel is she's like pretty good at one thing, but like not good at anything else. And she's not two inch reach. Is a oh, big I was thing. just going to ask. Do you think the one inch reach yeah. just cuts her out because you have so many two inch reach strikers? Yeah, I think that's really like you. You kind of have to think about you know your your bench list, right? So. Fathom and Sakana, Grayscales, you know, you've got to like have a list that wants all of these things. And is a list like that even reasonable? She's like the fourth best striker on the team. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Well, and not only that, but to make her a good striker, you have to add a second model, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times, at least Fathom is a pretty good pick to be with either captain. So uh, I would say that fathom's probably there a good chunk of the time but it's just yeah like okay what am i what do i want with my next slot is she really worth a slot is what the the question is you know what i mean like what does she bring yeah. to the team that another model can't do 90 percent as well and have other functionality is the way i well, think well and it. those those people that don't play a linked combination if you haven't played honor and harmony yeah, linked activations are cool, but there's a couple problems with that. One, it's usually a ton of influence you got to dump into yep. it. And then the second part is now you're down in activation. And you're yeah, yeah, you're pretty much down in activation and you're kind of done for the rest of the turn. Yeah, cuz you've, you know, bl- blown your wad with at least probably 6 to 8 influence. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I need to get it on the table. There's some people that are swearing by it that I respect, so I won't rule it out. Yeah, and so Dan White actually had a good question, and we're going to talk about his second question here in a minute. He said, so if I'm going to take Shark, Angel, and Fathom, so if you're planning on taking those three no matter what, what would other three good fisherman models be to bring with that? So <laughs> I would say yeah, salt, salt, yeah. Sure. So it's who, who are the three again? Shark? So it's Shark, Angel, and so Fathom. So you're putting together a scoring, a uh, straight scoring list. So... The first thing I would think about is Fathom is like not really good at scoring a goal at the top of the turn because um, you need the momentum to get her charge. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. And um, so I would want a more proactive striker. Uh, I know I'm going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse here, but like maybe Sakana. Um, okay. Maybe Grayscales would be good. Um, I think there's a consideration even for hag and hag and kraken even in shark teams um just because kraken's really good at holding the model still for the most part yeah and hag is a threat extender for shark so let's see so she wants to do he wants to do fathom and angel um 
Man, go ask Jared. Hey, you want to know what the difference between Jared and Dan is, even though they both like wacky lists? Did Jared What's make that? him work? Jared's actually good at Guild Ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So he wants to go Fathom and Angel. Jared's better out. than 1 and 5. <laughs> Try out... Um, you got to have Hag for free, something for free. Yeah, you're, you're that's right. Influ- true. Because you say influence hungry Hag. Yeah, she's a great she's a great battery if you haven't ever played her. Yeah, Especially with Shark because he's a greedy boy. Yes, he is. And so Hag, yeah, drop Hag and then maybe do Grayscales or Sakana depending on the matchup. That's maybe a good place to start. Yeah, I, I really like I like both those models. I like Grayscales a ton. I think. When I play fish, which isn't a lot, I usually put grayscales down just for balls gone and the where'd you go, and yeah. he's just a good model. Grayscales is a criminally underrated model, in my opinion. He is. Um, like, I, I can't believe how much people don't use him. Yeah, to me, I hate him. I, I know he's good. I hate him. I hate when I play grayscales. <laughs> what are your thoughts I think, in, in that list, right, where they're, they're going to want to score? What are your thoughts about bringing a model like Jock as a battery that can knock people out of a scrum so like you're yeah, you're trying it's to doable it, i used to run that in season one okay because i'm thinking like you don't have to put anything strikers. on him and he can like bounce all sorts of melee scrum models out to yeah. where people don't have to worry about him right like i mean am, am i thinking about that correctly like is is he both a battery and a counter to a melee scrum up team I think that's worth consideration. He's also deceptively good at kicking. So he kind of fits in naturally to the plan you're talking about. So what are you thinking about? Like brewers? Are you thinking about like butchers? Yeah, brewers, butcher. I mean, like the goat is nice because then like you're able to get a melee model to have to go a direction they don't want to go. I'm just trying to think about him like him countering the teams that want to surround all of these strikers. So I'm, I'm working off of that shark angel fathom idea. So how, how can yeah. they get their three goals? And then you're able to bring somebody that doesn't need a lot of influence and is somebody that can help to protect them by default. I think he'd probably be a reasonable heat sink, but, but I think one thing to consider is if you're playing that, three goal hyper scoring list and you're finding yourself in a scrum you've done it wrong you, yeah, you know what it, you know what i mean like your team needs to be so fanned out already like yeah maybe they get two or three models on one guy but like okay fine that model dies you know i'm gonna do some other thing over here you know what i mean i don't necessarily whereas i think the issue might be if you do run jack it might work against you where he's a little bit harder to kill so maybe they pile in models on him and they wouldn't have been able to if you had run someone a little more maneuverable like grayscales. What, what if you so you're wanting to fan out models and I totally agree with that idea of like fanning them out. What about if you have him as a support piece on the wing with some of those models and then he not only can knock them out of melee to free up the other model, he also has the potential to knock them off the board. Right. I think that's doable, especially like I was talking about earlier with Shark. You can do an offensive title surge. You know, you can you can spend three influence to dodge a enemy model four inches, and then Jack could come and follow up with the push out 
I think that's viable. I think I can't. I don't think you can do that and hag. I think you have to have only one or the other. Um, yeah, because you still need ball pressure. Yeah, and he can do a similar role as Hag now, where he can bump people, your own team around. I think if I'm taking the th- three, I'm going to take Hag, and I'm going to take Fathom, and I'm going to take Horizon. Fuck it, ball pressure everywhere. <laughs> Horizon, <laughs> really ball fun. pressure for days. Just gonna. I have. I've played against Fathom. I haven't played against Horizon yet. So now that the Navs are actually in the states, I'm excited to see yeah. how people use Horizon. In some states. He's just. He's an- yeah, exactly. He's just another one of those models that's like a mental tax where it's like I'm not really 100% <laughs> sure how to deal with this guy. You know what I mean? So it's, it's- I mean, you got you got shark pressure in the ball from one half, you got fathom and angel pressure in the ball from one other half and then horizon pressure in the ball from behind. Yeah. I think it's reasonable. It's worth experimenting. Yeah, so and that's the big thing when you try a new guild, just get the models on the pitch and figure out what you like to use cuz my six might look very different than what Lon six looks like. It just how do you how do you use it, right? I, I've seen Lon, especially at Spring Fling Lon, you put some interesting fish lineups on the table. Especially, oh, yeah. I like the lineup you put against uh, Josh White at Spring Fling. That was pretty fun. Fangtooth and I've ran Fangtooth every single round that tournament. Um, yes, he did. That was actually Kevin Stewart of uh, Guild Ball Zone Discord who planted that seed, and I think I was the only one with. Who was like willing to actually go there? Thank you. Did some work <laughs> though. I mean, she, he was whipping my ass in our game. Well, I mean, in our game, we you just it just slowly started getting away from me, whittling me down with that chip damage that hunters do, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh crap! My half my team is dead. What the hell just happened?" Yeah, well, it's not chip damage anymore, nope. Lon. <laughs> sure, <Yeah>. is not. <laughs> it went from chips to like chunks. <laughs> chips to chunks. There you go. All right, so a follow-up question from Dan, and I have to I have to say thanks to Lon because Lon came came in defending the honor of the South when Dan tried to slam the South on his podcast. <laughs> Emphasis on hey man, I'm just th- I'm just throwing the facts out there. Let the public decide for themselves, just like the how blog. You, that's right. How do you know what he's doing on his podcast? Are you actually listening to it? it well, you know the politician that I am. I, I listen to most. We hear podcasts. reports back. Yeah, and so. I thought that was it's funny, clickbait. and he clickbaited it, it, everyone. It kind of, it kind of was. I mean, because I, I actually was wanting him to kind of, you know, slam us really good, but because he was mad that we called him out and said he went one and five in Chicago, which is fine. So I don't mind starting a little trash talk like nah, that because that's man, all in nah, good fun. Nah, nah. You got to rise above because you know if you wrestle with a pig in the mud, he likes it. Yeah, you're both gonna get dirty, yeah, right? He likes it. <laughs> so you rise above, keep yourself clean. Wow! And I was tell, and I was telling Dan because I actually, you know, I talked Dan. Dan listens to the show, obviously. And I was like, you know, if I went one and five, I hope you would talk shit to me because you know that's, that's embarrassing, right? <laughs> you can go no. five and one, Pete, day. and I'm happy to talk shit about the one loss that you got. I would say I I go to a tournament and if I win or if I lose once, Chris is like, you're a disgrace to the meta. <laughs> you are. Um, so yeah, I I like the. I like the trash talk. Go ahead. Re- read the question since Lon brought up so, Discord. So the, que- the question is, is trash talk okay? Some people seem against it. Like it kind of brings the game down and, you know, people shouldn't, you know, muddy up the game. Or, you know, is that fine? Does it build some com- camaraderie and some uh, some rivalries that make it more exciting? So what's, what's your opinion on it, Lon? I know you were part of the Discord when they yeah. were talking about it. I mean, you guys know I... 
tend to see the argument both ways almost on everything. I mean, yeah. I, I can, I suppose if I know the person and, you know, it's good fun and, you know, and I think there's a difference between trash talking and like being a dick to somebody, <laughs> like obviously, yeah. you know what I mean? Like if I don't know you and I just say, man, you're a terrible player, blah, 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 you know, then I think that's one thing. But I mean, if you kind of have that relationship built with somebody, you know, you give your friends a hard time. It's okay. It's like part of what builds a friendship. Um, on the other hand, like as a media form, it's kind of an inside joke. And like, if someone doesn't understand the inside joke, then it maybe is not funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I don't it know. It just seems like you're being a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, like for example, if you and Dan have that, you know, established relationship, well, you know, there's some guy tuning in for the first time might not know that. And they're like, Oh, these guys are just assholes. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I can yeah. kind of see it both ways, to be honest with you. I don't mind it, but again, I'm like pretty weaved into the community. I like know people, so I don't know. I, I can see how it goes. I can see how people would like it. I can see how people would not like it. But Okay, so just so that everyone listening knows, if you ever hear me talking trash and you think, man, this guy is just an asshole, A, you're correct. And <laughs> B, um, don't be so weak. My opinion on this is if it's somebody I know, I have no problem talking trash to their face. Like I said, I had no problem calling Dan out because it was in good fun. And honestly, Dan was playing rat catchers. So that that just sounds terrible, especially with a butcher heavy tournament like that one was. So it, it was all in good fun. And, you know, Dan kind of already knew it was coming. Yeah. I, I already knew this blast back was coming because I texted him after he, you know, responded to right. it. I so, actually liked his response. I mean, his response was basically... I'll take that into consideration and I appreciate your feedback. And you know, if, if I ever offend you too badly, you're free not to listen. And I, and I mean, I know that's not normally what podcasts are going for, but you know, if, if that's his brand and that's how he wants to express himself, I think, I mean, the name of this show is, is rage quit wire. And a lot of people don't like the rage aspect, but I mean, Hey, yeah, that's uh, fine. I mean, it's fine. It's, so they know, quit. Right. Yeah. They'll <laughs> quit the podcast. <laughs> It's, it's fine. So, different but, strokes for but different here's, folks. Here's you know? the other side of it, though, because this is an example that I learned from personally is I did, you know, talk a little trash and to specifically it was the Knoxville meta. It was after a tournament they ran and I was a little overcritical and I was almost intentionally yeah, saying things. And yeah, and a lot of people remember that. And, you know, that was a relationship that I had to. Yeah, that was that. That's one of the lost episodes for sure. But that that was a relationship that I had to work hard with, you know, talking with, you know, the TO from the area and, you know, talking with the guys from Knoxville, letting them know that, you know, I, I misstepped on it and that, you know, it's, it's something I really learned from because you're right, Lon, when you are kind of even something as small as a guild ball meta, because as far as other tabletop mm-hmm. games go, guild ball is not the biggest game. Yeah. Everybody but, knows everybody here. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying is you got to realize that, when you're on a podcast or when you're in the public eye, even if it is a small public, that that does impact the community when you say things, when you put it out there. Yeah, and the other thing that I, I think needs to be noted is I, I am happy to run my mouth on this podcast, but no one has ever heard me refuse to take it when somebody wants to say something about me. <laughs> exactly. Right? And so anything <laughs> that I say on this podcast, one, I'm happy to say to someone's face. I'm not going to like just hide behind a microphone because I think that's cowardly. And two, if someone wants to make some comments about me, I mean, 
hell, the two co-hosts on this podcast do it to me all the time. So what else is new? Yeah, we, we obviously like talking shit. Yeah, so it, <laughs> it, it, it's just kind of – I do think that there is that element too to take into account is are you somebody that's willing to take it as well as dish it out? Are you somebody that's willing to face these people head on? Or are you just trying to hide behind a microphone? Like th- there are those elements to to – take into consideration and usually when I'm doing it and I'm I'm raging out I think that people can hear in my voice that usually there's a smile in my voice and it, right. it's it's not ill-intended although I am happy for people to take it that way because I would think it's funny but <laughs> well and kind of going off that a little bit too Chris is I think also you have to realize when you do you know, you maybe take that step too far, right? Right, exactly. Because even though even though Chris and I are really good friends, there was there's like and this was a few months ago, actually, this maybe even like half a year ago. But you know, there was something in the news, and Chris, you know, started kind of trying to put you know jokes and put certain things out there. And I straight up had to tell Chris, like, "Hey, man, I ain't joking about that topic, and I don't even want to talk to you about it anymore." And it's just trash talk can go a little too yeah, far. Exactly. So you just got to realize, even with good friends. Sometimes you need to reel right. in the trash talk. We all keep each other in check. And, you know, there's people that feel one way about things and there's people that feel another way about things. And we, we all need each other, you know, because you can go too far in one direction. And if you don't have that so, filter, right. make sure to get a Pete so that he can edit it. <laughs> <laughs> Just get a Pete. Everybody Don't get a Pete. Pete. Pass so, Pete. question back on the fish train, unless, John, you wanted to drop something. No, as long as you know I'm shit. Everybody I know knows half my relationships are built on shit talk. But again, just remember that not everybody might know that. Right. So, I mean, that's why as long as you know them. I mean, you should, if it's not somebody I talk to, then I'm not going to talk trash. Really I don't believe weird. anybody on this cast or any cast or, you know, anatomical precision or the pitch or strictly the worst. I, I don't think anybody means harm to anyone. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Even even Mike Klein. <laughs> I mean Mike Klein harm, by the way. Just pass that along to him. <laughs> I have some days now. I have some days. <laughs> so so getting getting back to it and just so you know, Lon, they were not happy that I poached you for this episode. <laughs> I got some angry texts I, I, and tweets. I told I'm I guess I'm kind of like a media skank now. I've been everywhere. <laughs> You're the um, media bicycle. Lon gets around. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I told Mike though. I was like, we need to enter a salary negotiation here. <laughs> we haven't recorded hey, in know. a while. That's, and that's you know, that's why I thought it'd be good to have you on, Lon. I, I I thought you were itching to talk the old guild ball. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so getting back to the fish talk though, uh, do you guys think fish want to kick or receive? And this actually, I think, is a little trickier than it sounds. I would imagine that you want to kick with shark because then you can. You're, you're going to take the scoring list, so you kick off with a model that can threat the ball right away. Yeah, and go score yeah, it off right? of them, that's right? what That's what I would guess. And I definitely is that the right think, answer, In Pete? my opinion, well, <laughs> that's what I would say. is I would I would kick it off with Shark, and I would go get a goal, and you want to know if caught in the net set up, hit that legendary and screw their turnover. But And then Corsair, I feel like, wants to receive. I, I don't think... You want them to have the ball to help them move around. Yeah, I was thinking like like side question on that in a Corsair team. Like who else? Who do you kick with in fish other than shark? Who are your kickoff models? I like to kick off with Sakana if there's a nice piece of terrain that he can get to. Um, 
because then he gets that speed bonus for free. Yeah. 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 Um, that's actually apparently rare, though, from the people that I've played. They say I've never seen that before. Um, I, Siren attack. used to be the Siren used to be the the go-to kickoff model a lot. Um, I think Shark is probably the pick eighty percent of the time, but. Right, I was just thinking. I mean, you you you're taking Corsair, but you. Oh, Corsair, like if you're kicking like, off with Corsair, yeah, I think you I think you kick off with Corsair in that instance okay. most of the just time. To get him up there and start just, just yeah, and no, just to I get him a little bit have, closer. If you have Corsair, I would imagine you almost always want to receive. Yep. I, yeah, I but if agree. it's a matchup, if it's a matchup though that you can't drop Shark into and you still are kicking, that's what we're saying is like if you have to kick with Corsair. So it sounds like Corsair, actually a 4-8 kick, Corsair probably is the kickoff piece. Yeah, he's a good kickoff. And, and I mean, getting him four inches up the field is pretty good. Um, and what, would you imagine you just put him kind of on the side of the board so he kicks off on one side of it, and then so whoever comes up to get that ball, immediately you're able like, to toss him off? I like to give myself the option and generally put my kickoff model up the gut just because then I can see how they deploy and like figure out what the weaker side to kick to is. Well, I agree with that. Because if I can, if I can deny them having the ball. Yeah. Even with Corsair, because if I can deny them having the ball or I can like even maybe give myself the option of recovering the ball, even though that doesn't happen that often, I think it's worth threatening. Yeah. It's almost that point where it's like, even if your opponent's a good player, they realize I have to go do this and you're forcing an activation right. out of them. And I, I agree that, I, Chris, I think that um, Corsair generally does prefer to receive because in that instance, the whole ball game's in my hands, right? I mean, I've you have to come to me and I'm going to sit back here in my little bubble and, you know, the first person you send even remotely close to me is getting harpooned in and thrown off the board. Um, so in a Corsair list, Lon, do you like to kill the... Cause for people that haven't played against Corsair, generally the ball gets killed behind him, and I find that it's usually either on grayscales or it's on tentacles. Is that kind of what you figure? Um, or is it situational well, depending he, on the matchup? Yeah, I. I mean, you still want to kind of move it around. I, I think that at the beginning of the game, Corsair does generally want to kill the ball against most teams. Um, it's it's probably matchup dependent more than anything. Yeah, I mean, if you're placing a bunch of one-inch melee, then yeah, probably grayscales is pretty safe. You know, tentacles, he's still got that close control. Um, there's a bunch yeah. of different choices, really. Putting it just on, in space is fine and against some teams. Um, so I, I thought another interesting question, and this one came from Rich Arnold. He said that he's been playing a lot of farmers and that Shark's been kicking his ass. Yeah. So... Is that just a bad matchup, Lon, or is he not seeing something? I think I was looking at that earlier. I think that um, if I look at the win rates for Season 4, after Falconers, fish are beating farmers 60% of the time, 59.5. Yeah, I I think um, Shark especially is able to abuse farmers pretty bad. Um, Well, it's the low defense, right? Right. and I don't know that farmers have the tools to lock them down like they might have used to. Yeah, I think I think that maybe Grange had a, you know, because Grange used to have a better setup with the lockdown game, and Grange has changed quite a bit and lost some of those abilities. So 
I, I don't know how Thresher plays into fish, but I, I can't imagine it's it's great. You probably get a kill here and there, but I think they're getting three goals before you can get your takeouts. Yeah, it's not something I've put a lot of thought into, completely honest. I'm, yeah. Um, Cater's countercharge isn't as good anymore. The fact that Thresher has to you know, consume the markers to get his buffs. Um, uh, Wendell is not hot. I mean, he's okay now. He's better now, but he's not, you know, fantastic. Well, it's like everything that he's good against, right? Yeah. The fact that you don't get momentum when you damage him, it's like, oh, I'm not going to damage you, you fucking anyway. anyways. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> if I sit there and I charge you and I'm able to hit a title surge off the charge, sweet, man. <laughs> so, Lon, you know JS and Bue, right? Yeah, JS, my buddy. He's my meme, but the, he had, the three a, he of had a great. Goes. His question is so great. And I'm going to start with Chris on this. Okay, Chris? Okay. We're going to work down the line. So, Chris, starting with you. If you could relate the loss of gut and string to a historical oh event, God. which would it be and why? Hmm, interesting. So, I mean, obviously, it would be. I, I would say when we like kind of broke the bands of Earth and were able to finally walk on the moon, that would probably be <laughs> the momentous moment that finally Shark couldn't hold us back with that gravity. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Holy would be the appropriate shit. moment. <laughs> I just right, came up with that on the fly, by the even, way. That's pretty good, huh? <laughs> I, don't pretty even, good. I don't even fucking know, man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, John passes. Lon, what do you think? Okay, here's my answer. And and, uh, and JS is baiting me here really hard. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say the War of 1812. And you know why? Because why no one, like, it's just not interesting. <laughs> like, Stagger <laughs> is just boring. You know it's there. You're like, okay, I learned about this, but I, I don't really care about it. And, man, I wish I was studying something else instead. Okay, so I'm going to kind of... And I'll kind of go with your mindset of how it's kind of like they try to do something cute with Shark doing something, but it's really not as interesting or useful or it didn't it doesn't even really work was the Civil War is like gut and string, right? It was bloody. It was people dying and it just screwed. You know, everybody was screwed over. It right? alters the and whole then, course of the game. That's right. And then all of a sudden you go into reconstruction, which is what stagger is, and it doesn't even work, just like reconstruction didn't work. So that's kind of what I would compare it to. I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> we, we need more of these I, historical I think, I think I handle it just right. Well, and I mean, those people that don't know, you know, I'm actually a history teacher. Chris reads a ton of history. I mean, John's a gym teacher, but he knows history a little bit, I guess. Yeah, so that was a great question, even though he's trying to troll you a little bit there, Lon. Yeah, good old, good old JS. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, we got a couple more, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, let's go ahead and go with... Uh, I, I think I know probably the answer to this, and Chris, you probably would say the same thing, but to you, Lon, this is from Anthony Moore. What's the preferred ways to generate momentum with fish? Well, I mean, if you look at the playbook, they got the dodges on one. And that's what I, and that is some of the best advice I could give a new player. And that Chris gave me when I was new, when you hit somebody in melee, look at your playbook and see what is momentous. Cause that is what that model is probably supposed to be doing. And you know, that actually goes back to the question we were talking about earlier was, um, 
why does an angel see play? And, yeah. and it's because if you think she's she's also tech four, so you can either have attack four, and now granted these days she does have the dodge on one, but she's one inch reach tech four, or you could have a two inch reach tech five model with anatomical precision. So yeah. you know, which where does it go? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and Chris, you you'd probably say the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, you're. The way to generate momentum is choose momentous results. That means that if you want to kill people, don't play with the fish. Well, I mean, there is... I'm talking in melee. I'm talking about choosing damage results. Okay. Okay. I got you. I I thought we had like a whole conversation (laughs) for the past hour about like how to play fish. I figured people could read between the lines there and I didn't have to spell it out. I mean, Coup de Gras is there. You can you can get a kill. It's not hard. <laughs> well, I think what Anthony was also talking about is maybe, like, the fish have good kick stats. So I think he was also thinking, like, do you want to kick the ball to generate momentum, or is it really off the playbook? Oh, you'd rather kick uh, the ball to generate momentum. Well, on turn one, I mean, I still think the tried and true pass down the line is, is not a bad way to go. Yeah, right. Especially with tap-in passes now. <laughs> Yeah, that that's helped the fish out. I mean, you a can't lot really that turn one. You can't really rely on that past turn one though. Like you can't just yeah, put the true. ball anywhere. Unless it's behind uh, a Corsair line. This will be the last question, and I'll check Twitter. But I don't think there's anything on Twitter. So there was Chris one Legal question on asked, Twitter I saw. I think. All right, I'll get on yep. that then. So Chris Legal though asked Yulon, "What is love? Baby, don't mo menacely hurt me." <laughs> okay. I, I think he feels betrayed. Why? Why do you think he feels betrayed? I don't know. I mean, you're you're a southern boy. It only makes sense. Chris and I used to fight about if momentous damage was okay in fish or not. And we used to have, like, hour-long conversations about it. Well, obviously Steamforge didn't yeah, think it was they, okay because they, they, they got rid of it. It's okay. <laughs> Lon lost the good fight. I'm in, I'm in reconstruction right now. I'm pushing people off the edge. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, speaking of losing momentous damage, our buddy Josh White asked, what are you going to do now that you can't play fantasy? Yeah, that was the question on Twitter I saw. <laughs> um, uh, be sad, but be happy that Kraken is like 100 times better. Yeah, and I've definitely had to work around Kraken just because it's not just the fact that he has the drag, but also if you he has the gravity well, which pulls you in if you're engaging him. And then on top of that, if you are, if you have the choice of hitting him or somebody else, yep. you have instincts. to hit him. Yeah, protective instincts is a little bit of a gotcha right now. I think I actually got myself on it the other day, even though I'm like fully aware of what he does. <laughs> just you just you were getting into it, and you're like, I'm gonna attack this model. They're like, um, actually, yeah, yep, you gotta attack Kraken. Like I think Corsair pushed Ox into, so he was within one inch. Like Corsair was on like two or three health. And yeah. he pushed him in so that he was engaging Kraken. And he's like, you have to hit Kraken now. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, uh, Fang Tooth has always been my boy. And I actually think he got a lot better in season four. Um, Hell yeah, he, he did. A he's better. a beast, man. I just wish that Union was a little bit stronger. I'm actually, I'm having a pretty good time with him right now. I'm going to test my medal with him on uh, Saturday. Yeah. I think Blackheart's still fine. I, Rage is still fine, too. Well, I mean... I mean, I like the list that Henry K ran, and I've been having a ton of fun of that with that. Where it's like, you know, you got Blackheart, and then 
your other two beaters, which are Fangtooth and Rage, O-Rage, you basically have them fully kitted out for four influence. And it's they can do a crap ton of damage, especially when you throw Butchery out on models. Yep. Let me know how it goes. I'm interested to hear about how Fangers goes. I will. I've, I've been having a lot of fun with Fangtooth. I think I was playing, and granted, this was against farmers, but I think that with one swing, I was doing something crazy like, man, what was I doing? I think I was getting like 8, 9, 10 damage with a swing Fangtooth going into farmers. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. And Fangtooth also has the best rookie model, and anyone who says otherwise, I will fight you. Oh, fucking two chains, man. <laughs> Screw you guys, rookie Cena. Let me get a little bear cub doing ten damage. Uh, okay, okay, I can. All right, I, I can. I can exist with that one. Like that one. Okay. See, and I, I like playing the bear cub because I'm like, it's just a bear cub. You don't have to be afraid of it. It's not doing anything crazy. But the rookie card with it, momentous ten on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna play him in the uh, rookie league, but I think somebody else is, and I'm not looking forward to it. That bear. I, hey, by the way, Steamforge, can I get a rookie Navigators model, please? Because uh, we're about to play a rookie league. We're trying to. And I want to play Navigators. I actually did some thinking about that. And I think Rookie Ebb would be a, the, my pick because he's kind of got like two different ways he can clearly go. He's got kind of like a support yeah. role. Like a, he can be a striker. He can be speedy. He can do a little bit of damage. So There's just a bunch of different cool ways you can take him on a rookie card. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of debuffs he puts out too. Yeah. Rookie Ebb, yeah, and, even even sexier. Last, yeah. <laughs> and the last question that I'll ask, just because this is this popped up here, Lon, uh, what's your uh, fresh take on navigators? Like, what do you think about them? Uh, what are some things you noticed in the early uh, navigator history? I would invite that person to go to http colon del slash momentous Ooh, he's got written work on it. <laughs> and I have written work on this last month. Um, Navigators were at like a 58-something percent win rate last month, which is pretty nutty. Um, but uh, when A, that was only in England. And nav- um, all the miners have tended to come out high and then dip back down. And I think that um, Navigators are going to experience something similar to that. Um, I do think that they are the best designed minor guild so far. Um, and I think they're going to hover around 50%. My one worry with them is they've got like a few matchups that are just like awful. <laughs> like morticians, blacksmiths, uh, masons, like anything yeah. with a lot of armor or like a lot of control is just like real bad for them. Well, yeah, because they don't throw a lot of dice. They do get rerolls, but they don't throw a lot of dice. So anything that just automatically takes their successes away is good. And I will say this, Lon, and I'll put this on the air just because I have no problem admitting it when I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I played against Ad, or yeah, Azmuth, and he's really good. Yeah, Azmuth's <laughs> a boss. Did you see my, um, did you see my uh, afro I put on Azmuth? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I haven't seen I thought, that yet. You have to show me. I think it came out pretty good. I'm excited about it. Well, because when we first talked about him, I was like, uh, I'm not crazy about Azmuth. I don't know what he does. And then I played against him, and I was like, man, this guy's a dick. You, you can't fight him. <laughs> you you just, if you you can't attack him. If you attack him, yeah. it's going to go worse for you than it did for him. Yeah, 5-1 is pretty good on a big model like that. And his counterattack result, he's, he's actually got the statistically highest probability knockdown in the game. Does yep. he? Because of the rerolls? I'm, 
because he's tack six with three rolls and his knockdown's on two. Yeah, it's on two. Dang. I had to pull it up to see what you're talking about. Yeah, it's on two. Yeah, and his counterattacks are, are just nutty because he he just has a lot of surprises though. Close because, control. Yeah, there's so many things. Well, he has dodges too. I'm like, yep. what the fuck? <laughs> that guy was a nightmare. As boss. You def you definitely want to yeah. take a balls gone model when he's on the field. I was actually really cheering for Azimuth to be one of the fish crossovers, but I think that would have been a little much. Yeah. Yeah, in a Corsair list. Yeah. Yep, so glad that everybody's getting their navigators. And I don't know, guys, you got anything else you uh, you want to say to Lon before we uh, get uh, Two here? things. In the spirit of Lon being on the show, the uh, we're going to give away another ox card. And so this time we want to see your favorite conversions. Lon is known yeah. for amazing conversions. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the, uh, the... Obviously everyone knows about the Fangtooth Cthulhu that you did. And you're famous for it. He's back in England now. He went home with Jamie. Yep. And uh, I love the Corsair riding an orca that you've done. So <laughs> That one's my favorite. So let's do that. Uh, for those that listen to the podcast... On this thread, on whether it's Twitter or Facebook, uh, post your favorite conversions that you've done, and we'll one we just want to see them, and two we'll pick our favorites and uh, we'll make sure that somebody wins an ox card. Yeah, give me good pictures so I can copy them. <laughs> <laughs> this was nice. the goal of this was not to. Let John steal your people. ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but maybe. All right, yeah, I like that a lot. Let's see some of those uh, cool conversions, and yeah, post them to either the Rage Quit Wire Facebook page or post them to the Fa Rage Quit Wire uh, Twitter page, and yeah, yeah, show it to us. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you guys have for the podcast? I do. I have one more. Okay, thing. what's your thing? So couple last things here just if you want to support the podcast check us out on patreon uh, we got a lot of cool benefits we got some salt dice we got t-shirts if you are at one of the higher levels and, oh, and yeah, we just appreciate yeah. i need to get some of those dice you guys got the awesome dice the salty <laughs> dice we just you know we're trying to put as much stuff out we put out try to put out a weekly podcast we're starting to get more um more video content out actually after i get off with you guys I'm going to do a quick video with the new Navigators models and some of those legendary Captain models. And I'm actually going to do like a painting vlog over that and put it on our YouTube channel. So if you like our content, you know, check us out. You know, if you feel like donating a little bit of money to get some sweet swag and get some more content that we don't give to everybody else, just sign up for Patreon, man. And the last thing that I'm going to say is this is actually a gift from our patrons. I just sent a, a picture to our Rage Quit Wire chat. And Lon, you can't see this, obviously. But some of our patrons sent me in the mail some widgets that they have oh. donated to Chris for Christmas. Oh. <laughs> After listening to the airing of grievances, Thank God. They got, they got Chris some widgets. Now I feel obligated to use them because I am you grateful to the, to the patrons. But I really feel like this is undermining my principles. You are no, you, you are obligated if you don't, and you're just a really a shitty person. I, you know what? But I'm Chris. I'm just gonna let you know, man. I listened to that entire episode, and everything you said about measuring, I wanted to.
tear my eyes out. <laughs> you know what? The, the best part about using a tape measure is uh-uh, that the uh-uh. end of nope, it has nope, like I'm no off. flex to it whatsoever. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. You're wrong, Chris. Just give up. <laughs> okay. So, um, You're a widget guy now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Sam Sam of Longshanks was talking about doing like a uh, paper mail order widgets, and we were trying to see who could make the craziest, like most niche widget. <laughs> Is there one that looks like a tape measure? <laughs> okay, um, you know what? We, I think this has been a great podcast. Um, if you don't mind, I would like to uh, end on a slightly more serious note. Uh, if you guys don't mind this, and obviously if you do, then Pete can edit it out. Um, but the there was a member of the Gilball community that just recently passed away. Oh, yeah. And uh, I just wanted to mention it. Um, I actually met Corey Dawson at SteamCon US this past year. We were actually able to get a game in. Um, and I'm so grateful that we made the time to do that. Um Obviously, not knowing that I'd never have that chance to to game with him again. Um, I don't really know what the details are um, of, of his passing, and I uh, I didn't know him well, but uh, we ha- we did talk a little bit. He lived in Indianapolis, and uh, we talked about you know maybe me heading out to Gen Con this past year. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, I I felt like he was somebody that really made friends quickly. Um, I thought that he was a, a really pleasant guy to game with, um, and so I just wanted to express my condolences um, in behalf of his friends and family. Uh, I, I hope that some of his gaming friends are listening. Um, they've also set up a GoFundMe for his daughters, um, and so we're going to post that on the, uh, the Facebook page. Um, and, you know, obviously, if, if that's something that you folks are comfortable contributing to, um, you know, our, our, our hearts go out to somebody that clearly uh, was a young man and had a, a lot more life to live, and uh, our hearts go out to his family and his friends. Well said, sir. Yep, so wherever you are, man, I hope that you're just rolling dice and throwing salt. Yeah, we'll see you all next time. <laughs>